0: Yeah. Wow, oh, give me a Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage. For the Boston Celtics and the last time we left you, well, (laughs) I definitely ticked off some listeners. Hopefully we didn't lose them. I definitely was in a stinky mood in the middle of a rough week and, you know, rough go for the Celtics for quite a stretch there. But, John, it looks like, you know, our uh, pissiness paid off because, look, we're totally responsible for this four-game win streak. So goes the New England mentality. Uh, Yeah, it's even Teague's playing well. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's the barometer, right? Yeah. If, if Jeff Teague, who has been a walking, well, a, a barely animate corpse for, you know, whatever we're talking about, 30-plus games, uh, is starting to show something, then, you know, obviously things have turned around. And then that's – it it's been true. You know, I think they've, there's been a lot of positive performances. Uh, but, you know, I think um, – I think they kind of recognized the challenge and and stood up to, um, I think, a couple different things happened. I thought Kemba kind of finally found his footing. I thought Jalen got a little bit of rest. I thought, you know, that maybe took a little bit off Tatum. And so, and then the bench steps, you know, really started to step up. And probably most of all, Rob Williams.
0: Yeah, I mean, Grant Williams had a really nice game against Toronto. We're recording immediately post-game, so I'm just going to rock with the – he had a great game tonight. But Rob Williams, um, man, you know, he's not starting, but he's finishing. That's two games in a row that he's been out there, and his energy – and he's got his rotations down now. Um, He's a lot more patient His timing is better. I mean, he's still going to get the young man fouls, right? And he's going to get some ticky-tack stuff here and there, and it happens all the time in the league. But overall, like, I think it was Scal that was pointing out in the Toronto game tonight how he went up to alter the shot with the right hand, overplayed it, was out of position, and we've talked about this before, but then he came up with the left hand, and he really just barely got the hand. Hand is part of the ball, but... But, you know, even his miscues, he's so long and so unique, and I actually did like the Camby comparison, although I think Rob Williams has far more offensive potential than Camby did. And Camby wasn't a bad offensive player, so don't get me wrong. I just mean all those hops, the way he's doing the pick and roll, and even uh, they made another great point, the way that Toronto was trying to defend Rob Williams so that he couldn't get that pick and roll and and the oop dunks just created so much guard play you almost have to have him out there with kemba so that kemba can get more going to the rim Um, because now that he's got his burst back and everything that creates so much whereas tyson and and thompson as much as i like both players and they play well they don't really space out the middle they make it congested for walker
1: yeah, no, I, I think that's true, and, and I also think that's he draws so much attention. We saw that really against Toronto, and, and Scal pointed out during the during the during the game. I thought, you know, they're 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 really trying to pay close attention to him, and that's a that's a amount of gravity that nobody else on that team from the center spot is doing. You know, no matter what you do, you know, you you for. You know Tristan Thompson to be effective, he has to be stationary and on the block and ready to receive a ball or, you know, putting back, a, a, you know, an offensive rebound. Tice is kind of floating and finding his seams to get open shots, uh, but nobody is causing anyone to say we got to worry about this guy. None of those three, other than Rob Williams.
0: How come we haven't seen him play with Tice more? Because the way that they run all that action at the top with Rob up there, you know, we've seen Tice have a ton of success with those baseline cuts and lobs and dunks himself. And then he's shooting way better than could be expected from beyond the arc. So then they could totally invert it again. I, I'd love to see Tice and Rob Williams in the starting lineup with Kemba Brown and Tatum just to see what they could do, but you know the last thing that anybody on the coaching staff or the fan base's mentality can handle is yet another rotation suggestion. (laughs) They're having such a hard time locking it in. It's it's like you say, how can we haven't seen this? And I guess the only reason my point, you know, or my question is even a valid question is because it seems like we've seen just about everything else. (laughs) Yeah, right, right,
1: absolutely. Um. Yeah, I well, I you know, I think it's a it's a good question. I think it's part of this limiting of time that they're trying to do with him too. I mean, that's supposedly what their what their goal is is to protect him uh, until you know for the bit postseason. Further along. Yeah, yeah,
0: because he does so many things that nobody else does. They it, even if he only got limited minutes in the postseason, those limited minutes, as we saw against Toronto last year, could be invaluable.
1: Yeah, and I, and I also think that, you know, as long as he's closing games and he's in the high-leverage situations, that's – I like that. I want more of it, but but I'm not um, – you know, I, I still want to see him play the majority – I want to see him playing 24-plus minutes a night. Like, to me, like, he should be playing the majority of the minutes. Uh, clearly, they win those minutes. Yeah. Clearly, it's a – it's kind of like uh, you know with with Tatum's minutes in early you know early on in his career where it made such a difference when he was on the floor. You know, it just things felt different, and I think that's kind of where we are. I'm not saying he's going to be as good. I'm trying Jason to look Tatum. at the minutes.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to look at the minutes from the last two games. You know, did he break the 20 crest or not? What are they limiting him to? I know they said limited minutes in the game the other night, but I don't right. think we actually right. have a number. They're just say they just saying we're trying not to kill the guy because he's had issues with the hip, and, you know, right. durability is a question. All right, so uh, 23 minutes in the game tonight against Toronto, 10 points, 7 rebounds, and then we go back to Wednesday, right? Yep, and then the Clips, another nice win, by the way, um, and 21 minutes, 40 seconds, 13, 8, and 4. So, you know... If you look at him as a 32 minute player, you know, if he plays the way he did against the the Clippers and then against Toronto, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's finding a way to get 20 points and, you know, 12 rebounds. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and yeah. we're not talking about you know, low usage minutes, not against the starters, you know, you're trying to multiply his minutes times five to get to that number. We're only talking about 50% more playing time. Like, we're within the realm of safely extrapolating those numbers and saying that, you know, you could really see that. So when you look at Walker, when you look at Brown, when you look at Tatum, and then you look at Williams, and, you know, if Williams isn't going to take – you know, time or shots from those other guys, you know, he's right. getting them from the Tices and the Thompsons, and right. and uh, it's pretty incredible to think that you could have four guys who really could consistently, conceivably score, you know, 20 points a night, nearly on average. It's possible.
1: So, what I, you brought that, you know, you brought it up, and I, and I went to look at that those game logs, you know, and really, let's, just looking at really since he kind of returned. he had a couple of days off to rest the hip. Um, since that point in time, you know, he only he's only had one game where he played more than 22 minutes in that whole spell. So, uh, you know, my guess is that's what they're shooting for: is 22, 24, 24, 26 minutes is what they're hoping to get out of him in the playoffs. But 22 minutes against Indiana is is the most he played since uh, some garbage time against Memphis. They played 22, almost 20, just to, just shy of 23 minutes against Memphis, which was like the fifth game of the season. Apart from that, that's the high water mark. <laughs> 22:49 is the high water mark for Rob Williams. Wow. So it'd be interesting to know more what's going on with the hip. I'd love to know more about why
0: they're worried about that already. Um, but because they can't get anybody healthy. Right. I mean, you right. know. Kemba's just finally healthy and and it was a short offseason. I think they're just playing it safe with everybody all around because if you look at what happened to Gordon last year, it really disrupted, you know, they could have used him in the Miami series at full strength. Sure. Right. And 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 all of this is kind of freak show injuries. But I think they're trying to control everything that they can control so that they have a legitimate shot. You know, the only other scary thought. And I'm gonna plant this seed and it's gonna make you wanna punch me in the face. Um not punch me in the face like I'm complaining about the NBA and the way they call the up fakes from the last episode. <laughs> but punch me in the face like don't even I can't believe you said it. But you know, there's trade rumors abound, you know, and there have been all the way, you know. Th- th- there could be a you know, till we get to the trade deadline factor here, too. Like, yeah, they want him healthy. But the last thing they need, if he's the centerpiece, you know, of a trade, so that they can kind of protect some other guys on the team, um, or he's not the he's the centerpiece. That's a package with, you know, um, you know, like their their first round pick, uh, Naismith. You know, with that trade exception, you don't want him going down with an injury. It just totally devalues his, his trade value. Right. Yeah it, yeah. it kills you. So if if he's if, you know, because, you know, they're not going to look, if you really think about it, what young player who doesn't make a lot of money that would go package that would package well, you know, you know who it should be It should have been Langford. Where's Langford? You know, and I'm not saying he had to be the trade chip, but Naismith makes him expendable in a way. Um, you know, Langford could have. Could have been awesome for this team this year, and he would have gotten a ton of playing time. And, uh, you know, I, I can't believe he's he's not out there. I, don't, I just don't even understand it at this point.
1: Well, I, I mean, usually it, it, that the recovery from that injury apparently is usually quite lengthy. So he's actually right on course, I guess, to have that done. And, you know, to, to be back around this time, you know, March-ish, uh, I think, like you said, they're being cautious with him too. So I'm hopeful that you know we're going to be in a spot here uh, when they play Brooklyn in about a week, which will be the first game back. In fact, it is exactly a week from tonight uh, that he's back and and they're ready to to build him in. I mean, look, they got they got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six days off in between. Uh, probably they won't practice every day. Uh, Probably probably take a break from practice, actually, Uh, especially with Jason and Jalen in uh, Atlanta for the All-Star game on Sunday and the three-point contest. Uh, But, you know, this is a great time to kind of bring him back into the folds. I would think, you know, if it's not Brooklyn, at least it's for Houston on the 14th, that in the next week, week and a half, we're going to see Romeo Langford out there. And then that's going to give them two straight weeks from that point on until the trade deadline. To see, you know, whatever we were going to get out of of Romeo Langford, um, at least in the early going here. So,
0: I mean, honestly, Langford and Neisman. I don't want to see them cut either one loose, to be honest. No, I think they could use that. I think they could use the depth. You know, I just don't know how you take advantage of this, you know, traded player exception without throwing some talent in and you know, you don't want to trade Marcus. You don't want to trade Langford. You don't want to trade Nate Smith. You don't want to trade Robert Williams and neither do I, you know? And when I say you, I mean the, I mean the Royal you or the Royal we, uh, You don't want to trade them, then you can't use the traded player exception if you don't move somebody. And you know it's it. Nobody is gonna nobody's gonna send us anything of value in return for picks and Grant Williams. And I'm not even trying to devalue Grant Williams when I say that because you know I thought it was kind of curious that he hadn't been playing a lot lately. But it, you know it's it's part of that congested front court, and you know Shemmy's kind of you know earned it in a lot of ways. But it was nice to see Grant you know, play some good minutes against Toronto because he's got a spot on the rotation too. They're like, they're almost too congested with developmental and mid tier veteran talent, (laughs) you know, and there does almost need to be a consolidation. Uh, But even with Teague playing better, it gives them so much more, you know, like it just loosens everything up with Teague playing better and Walker getting his bounce back and Peyton being, you know, such a surprise. Um, you know, they could go from having no depth to being healthy and having, you know, guys like Shemi, you know, ride pine again after he's finally earned some playing time.
1: I, yeah, I, you know, I think that uh, part of the issue with this bench, like you said, it's it's a little bit kind of plugged up with a lot of guys around the same the same area. And, that, of course, that's part of the reason why they're here. If they were better, they'd be somewhere else. But, but I think that that's, that's very true, and part of, I think, Danny's job at the deadline is, yes, it's to add talent and to improve, you know, the top tier of this roster, but it's also to clear – I think it is also to clear out some of this. Um, and I don't think it's, a, it's, you know, send somebody away and give a pick to get rid of a guy. And that's why I've been kind of against some of these trades that have, you know, really tried to use – Tristan Thompson and say, well, you know, we're going to have to give up a pick to get rid of him. I hate that idea because this team needs talent. And, and maybe Tristan Thompson hasn't exactly uh, been, you know, the, uh, worth $9 million as an MLE player. I don't think he's worth giving up a, sec- a first rounder to get rid
0: of his contract. You don't just get rid of it. Not not 9 million, you know what I mean? Again, that's something else that you can package later if you're not happy. I just think he gives us something that we don't have, which is a lot of strength and muscle in the post. I mean, he can really clear guys out and we're going to have matchups specifically Philadelphia in the postseason where you're going to need a guy like that. You're going to need a bruiser. And you take him off the club and you don't got one. You don't, I don't got one. now.
1: I don't mind moving him if I'm upgrading. You know, let, let's just I mean, oh, hypothetically. Oh yeah, well, if
0: we're upgrading his, his position for right. somebody else who does something similar but does it better, hell yeah.
1: If if part of the way you get by the way you get to take, let's say Aaron Gordon or or Harrison Barnes or
0: whoever or maybe, Savage.
1: Yeah, if if your way of getting well, I don't want to use that because that because it's the same position. But what I mean is, if that if you're upgrading and you've got a starting caliber player at the three four, you know, as, as a guy who can play the wing, and play next to Jalen and Jason, and you have a starting caliber player, even if it's like a you know a you know the same level, you know, if you're if we're talking about two K. If I'm getting 270, if, if Tristan talks mm-hmm. to 77, then give me a 77 power forward. You know, I mean, if that's what we're talking about, and really that's not the way the real world works, but you get my point of view, it's like it's more valuable to have somebody who has that skill set at that you know relative level than it is to have three guys that you can't play at the same time at the center position who are all 77 and 76s. So I realize me saying this like, oh, yeah, he's talking about 2K, what does he know? But the point is it's like in terms of roster balance and in terms of being able to play players, you can't do that. You can't have three centers who are all kind of roughly in the same ballpark, and that's where we are.
0: You know, that's where we are, and that's the frustration. That's exactly that's why Rob Williams, it's like you've got to consolidate it and upgrade. Right. But that's, that's why, why Rob Williams, Williams makes can't get more so than 22 much minutes a game, you know? Well, and they but they also have the injury thing. I think he he's clearly far and away the guy that's worth keeping out there. You know, if he could get more minutes, I think he'd be getting them. You know, I think guy I think veterans like Tristan Thompson would eat minutes or they would balance it off with Tice. Like they would find a way to to make that work and give Rob more minutes. I don't think that's, I I think everything else about your point is 100% correct, except for that last part about why Rob can't get more minutes. I don't think they care about that. I, I think that the other stuff is in the way with him closing games, the way that he is, it's clear that their intent is to, you know, move him, you know, into the number one slot at that position. And rightfully they should. He's got the most upside, you know, with the most ability to impact, you know, altering shots at the rim. And they've not had that. Just like they haven't had, you know, really a uh, uh, rebounding wide body. You know, Ennis Cameron was a good rebounder, but he didn't do what Tristan Thompson does. Um the the unfortunate part is 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 Tice has done everything they've asked him to do. You know, they can pretty much plug him in anywhere. You know, and at the end of the day, he's the one that they can replace in the way that he fits into the roster. He's the one that they can replace the most easily by, you know, rotating Tatum to the four or playing Grant Williams or whatever. I'm not saying replace him exactly. I'm just saying it's so sad that his minutes are the ones that are so easy to remove because, you know, he just does everything they ask him to do. He's such a good soldier.
1: Well, and
0: Talking about Grant Williams, you mean? Yeah, I mean I think No, no, and Tyson that. I'm saying well, you could play right. if you're reducing his minutes because you're using Thompson for the bulk of the minutes yeah. against a a, a beefy oh, lineup yeah. or you're using Williams to alter shots against the faster lineups or still the bulky ones when you know Tristan just doesn't match up enough well enough. If you're gonna go with the way that Tice is fitting into this big man rotation, you can get away since his minutes are going to get cut back, you can get away with Grant Williams at those minutes or Tatum rotating yes. at four and right. Tice does. But but my point is, is that's a really kind of a sad thing because Tice has been really good, improved every year, and does whatever the team asks him to do, you know, and about the only thing wrong with Tice is the way that the refs treat him, you know, and yet – you can look at this roster makeup and say he's the guy who's the most expendable minutes wise at that position, and it's almost silly to say.
1: Yeah, I, no, I, I I hear what you're saying there. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I mean, he he has done the the Tice experience in Boston really has been uh, underappreciated. I think there there are times where I think he uh, he plays him out of uh, situation, plays himself out of. Uh, some of that recognition and notoriety. I I think, you know, Brad relies on him to be an energy guy. And there's times when he just, you know, he's a starter and he's going through, you know, and and Brad needs a little more. And that, and that's why, you know, he gets the quick hook. I mean, I think there's a bit of a whipping boy situation with him, uh, you know, but I think that that's that, you know, I think that that's on this team, You know, if you're going to be that center until you show something that's really super natural in a way that kind of Rob Williams is kind of hinting at, that's really what that position's got to be on this team. You know, they've got to be the energy guy who's just flying around and doing stuff like that. And um, he's earned that, you know. So if they do make a trade, if they do move a Tristan Thompson, i would be less excited if it's Tice. But if they move one of those two guys, open up time for time, Lord send out some salary, open up some time potentially as the third center uh, in some cases for Grant Williams. I think that'd be fine to me. You know, I, I, I'd be acceptable to that. The main thing is they've got to add that wing player, you know, Uh, which unfortunately then kind of blocks Romeo before he really even gets a chance to get established. Uh, And then, you know, on top of that, you got a situation where Nismith's been benched the last few games after having such a great run there. So it's um, it, you know, this is the problems that the Celtics have. Uh, but you know, it's in a way, it's how can you be the most competitive right now as you possibly can, uh, you know, in this weird season. But also set yourself up so that you know, beginning this summer, you're gonna be able to have, have a normal off season. Give Lee Smith the type of off season he should have had. Give Romeo the off season that he should have to be able to work on his shooting. Because in September, well, you know. Those guys should be in a really good spot, I
0: believe. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Here's the thing that stuff's easy to manage, in my opinion. Like, Shemi's the guy that gets moved in a deal, potentially, you know, but he's a role player for wherever he goes, but he's still young enough. And, um, but I think it's easy. Look, Neesmith is a is a rookie, so if he rides pine for a while and gets spot minutes or is there, like, in case of emergency break, glass, like, that's acceptable for a rookie. I mean, I realize he needs minutes and he can develop, and if this team, you know, makes that upgrade, they're going to be in enough blowouts that Neesmith is going to get some run. Right, And as long as nobody gets hurt, he's really got limited value to you in the postseason if you're upgrading at the wing anyway. Um, and then Langford's coming back from injury on his, his his shooting hand, right? That's the wrist surgery was on his shooting hand. Right. So, I mean, he ain't coming back, like, like right away. He, you know, best-case scenario – you know, he's able to provide those same kind of strong defensive minutes in the postseason as last year. He's not going to be well oiled this year. This is nearly a wash for him. So holding on to those those two guys at this stage of the game, you know, makes sense as long as you could still get a deal done with, you know, a Tice, a Shemmy, you know, somebody's got to go of value or you're not going to bring back that guy or even or maybe it is Thompson and you keep Tice, right? You said that. So uh, who knows? Who knows if they'll even make a deal? You know, they might just say, like, listen, let's just try to get everybody healthy and see what we can package together. You know, the one thing you see every time we play the Toronto Raptors and the fact that they are so injured in this game tonight that really stands out as something that, you know, is – the same for that team year over year. And and I realize their record is not awesome this season, but they have a ton of depth and they have a ton of different looks and they're constantly throwing in different guys at you and they've gone through injuries. And yet that was still a hell of a competitive game. They hit a buttload of three pointers. Like it was nuts. And you know, the Celtics could end up with that same kind of mishmash and Brad's just trying maybe part of the reason we've seen all these weird ass rotations is Brad's trying to keep everybody healthy and have the team prepared for hey, it doesn't matter who's on the floor. This is how the offensive well, it does matter who's on the floor when Brown and Tatum is are on the floor without Kemba or when Kemba and Tatum are on the floor, what you know a couple of combos like that, but this is how the offense runs with this combination of two of our three superstars. And that's how it's going to go. And maybe he's just trying to keep everybody fresh so that then when you play teams in the postseason, the other guys that aren't part of that core or part of that core rotation are just filling in based on matchups and and everybody's staying a little fresh. You know, maybe I'm giving Brad more credit on that. I'm, I'm actually just kind of supposing or being hypothetical with it anyway. But, you know... They've. You gotta wonder if they really do. I mean, I think they do want to make a trade, but I don't think they want to just make a trade. And uh, you know, Bobby Manning does not think, <laughs> as evidenced by Twitter, that those Jeremy Grant rumors have any legs at Jesus.
1: all. Boy, he's strong on that, isn't he? Holy cow! Bobby, man, I don't know if he's.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if
1: he's got money on Jeremy staying in Detroit or what, but man, he's yeah, he's that's a that's a big deal to him. I. Look, I don't know.
0: This. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, though, either. You know, the rationale part of it, where Detroit just got him, and and I saw somebody else, might have been Ryan Bernardoni. I can't remember who it was, but they made it. Somebody else, other than Bobby, also made a good point, which was, you know, you know what it was? It was Corrales. Why would Detroit trade Jeremy Grant after they just got, you know, a I wouldn't say he was a big free agent name when they signed him, but he's become a big free agent player, and he wanted to be there. I mean, you know, I think Corrales' point was that club needs players who want to be there. Why would they trade him? And the only answer to that question is because they're the Pistons.
1: Well, right, they're the Pistons. Uh, They let Christian Wood go, and seemingly everyone thought he's probably the one guy that they shouldn't have. Then they signed a whole bunch of centers. Uh, they gave a lot of money to Jeremy Grant when nobody thought he was worth that money. They were right about that. I think they were wrong about letting Christian Wood go. Uh, but yeah, they're the, they're the, Pistons. We, we expect these things from this common day, you know, current day Pistons. I, I don't look, I don't think it's crazy for them to turn that, turn that around. Uh, why a team wants to make a deal. Maybe they think they can get two number ones, if they can get two number ones for Jeremy Grant, if it was a year ago, do you think Denver would have given up two number ones for Jeremy Grant? Probably, you know. So it's I, I don't think it's if you're selling on if you're selling high on somebody, I don't think it's necessarily. It's like trying to trade Terry Rozier the summer after he did so well uh, in the playoffs for us, you know. I mean, Danny was did you know some people were offering a number one, but that wasn't enough. So uh, you know, I don't think it's wrong to always be looking, but I. I I don't know, I, I think there was, I think there was a little bit um, overdone in terms of you know, the Celtics are interested. The Celtics are interested in everybody. You know? <laughs> that doesn't that's not I mean I don't think that's news, you know. I think if Danny's doing his job, he's doing his job calling about Bucevic, he's he's doing his job calling out with Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes and Aaron Gordon and, you know, Zach Levine and everyone else, you know. I mean I I don't know. I, I didn't really take it all that seriously, honestly, other than, you know that's There's interest there. We'll see if there's if there's any smoke. I don't even think there's smoke to it. There's not even a smidge of smoke. You know, it's just like Kindling laying on the ground. And we're like, a smidge of smoke. We're like, hey, there's some Kindling. That's really all it is, you know. That's what I see, at least. So all right, there's let's other sh- stuff in there that's interesting. I thought the Vucevic stuff is a little bit more, um, there's more smoke there,
0: I think. There has been for a long time, which yeah. is just so weird because he's killing it this season. Mm-hmm. But well, this is the guy, was, I said I wanted a while back, and everybody's right. like, "You're crazy, you're crazy," and I'm like, "I don't know, dude. The guy can shoot. I mean, is he that bad of a defender? Is that what? Is that He's the better. criticism?" He's
1: gotten a lot better. But if if you know if you're getting him, you're you've got to be saying goodbye to Rob Williams.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. you're going to take on the salary and give a project back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean the. He doesn't I mean his he has that decline in salary, which is really nice, but you know, you're gonna give up a lot for for an all star. Um you know, the thing with him is remember he was the first name that dropped when Kyrie was, was on was leaving, or before we even knew Kyrie was leaving, or right around that time, you know, his was the first name that, that the
0: Celtics there was rumored interest in. Even before we heard Kemba's name. It was Vucevic. So he spaces everything out, you know. He spaces everything out for them.
1: He's the best three-point shooter above, at, at, at top of the key in the league. Yep. Not Steph Curry. Not you know Luca. Not Dame. Not you know nobody. It's Nikola Vucevic or Vucevic. I got we got to figure that out. But anyway, he's damn good. Uh, you know, shoots the ball well, spreads the floor. Like I said, defensively, he's he has improved. He's playing for a good defensive coach, and I think that makes a, a big difference. Uh, you know, his – his I mean, he's about average. Uh, it is, hey, uh, can we
0: just add he's also a rebounder? Like, we, you can yeah. space the floor, but right. you almost always sacrifice rebounding on somewhere, you know, right. or if you're not sacrificing rebounding, then you're sacrificing defense. And so, you know – Uh, yeah, if he, if he can at least play in the system and, you know, he could shoot from outside and open up the drives and, and they can run the offense at the top, like you're seeing with Rob Williams, you know, fantastic. That definitely puts you in better position this year. He's still pretty young. So, you know, it wouldn't be the most painful thing in the world, but you know, my, my, my thing with, with Rob Williams, I mean, I love him. I don't want to trade him. Um, The only reason I would even condone it or think about it is we've talked about this the whole time is and there were question marks, you know, in the draft. That's why one of the reasons he went down. There was a lot of there's several reasons including a reputation, but, but one of the reasons that he fell down in the draft too was people didn't know if he could stay healthy. I mean, I remember that draft night show. I think it was the last live one we did, and Goodman was on with us, and that's exactly what he told us, right? You know, there's some injury concerns here. You know, can he stay healthy? And Goodman said if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a great career. You know, he's got all the tools.
1: He, and he's finally put it together. I mean, I think that there's a real question in, in terms of his ability. Why it took him this long to get minutes, you know, and whether or not the the gauntlet that Brad Stevens puts young players through is really a good thing. Uh, but, but you know, in the end, it works. But for what Danny has. You know what he's been trying to do here over the last three years, particularly when he had multiple draft picks last year, multiple draft picks this year, uh, and, and really need to turn those, probably some of those, into players. Um, you know, either right away or trade them into that. Well, if you're not going to trade, then those guys need to get on the floor early. And when Neesmith is, you know, can't get on the off the bench in situations like tonight or or you know, even much earlier in the season, it makes it so much more difficult to build a team like that, you know? So there's – there's an, or let alone make a trade. Now if you want to trade, let's say, Aaron Neesmith for Vucevic, you can't. You can't do it because he has zero value, you know? So if you were – if you took Sadiq Bay and let's say Sadiq Bay had had the same opportunities here that he had had in Detroit, which is highly unlikely – but let's just, for instance, say that he might have been a key piece in allowing you to try to get Looch. So it's, it, you know, there needs to be a little bit more, uh, you know, the left hand sitting with the right hand's doing, and, and so vice versa. I, I feel like there's a bit of, of conflict there um, that needs to be resolved because it's, it. I think it has harmed them the last two seasons in particular. Could have done things at the deadline late last year. They didn't do it. They didn't have any value out of Grant Williams. They didn't have any value out of Romeo Langford. Certainly not Carson Edwards. And we're pretty much in this. We, you know, Peyton has done well, but <laughs> they're so thirsty for for depth that um, I don't even think that's part of the problem. They I, I don't want them to trade some of these guys that show even the slightest little bit of value because they're at least helping a little bit. You trade Peyton Pritchard for somebody who might not fit, who's a veteran, you know, now you're, you're twice as, you're oh, double damage. They
0: trade Peyton Pritchard, my heart will be broken. I mean, I realize he played four years in college, but, man, he's so composed. He's the perfect backup guard, you know, yeah. come off the yeah. bench, spot start, and he can do that for the next 12 years, and he's never going to get a huge salary he'll always he'll be right on that sweet spot he'll always be worth the dollars you pay him he'll he'll probably have a similar trajectory as Marcus Smart in terms of the finances you know, and you know that that first deal coming off the rookie contract, they'll get him for you know eleven, twelve million a year, you know, or at least whatever the going rate is. <laughs> you know, that would be compensatory with that, and and they'll get him for you know same amount of years as smart, and everybody will look at it and be like that's the best bargain. You know, like yeah, there's mid level guards out there for. 9 million or 10 million, but for just a few more, you got a guy who knows the system, competitive fire, probably will be a starter, you know, in his early thirties for several years, you know, but I don't know. He might even qualify as a starter before that. I mean, dude is really a gunslinger from outside and he gives everything he's got, you know, he plays, he plays hard. So, um, it would break my heart if they trade him. It would break my heart if they traded Rob, you know, and that's the whole thing you you fall in love with the young players and then you don't want them to go anywhere. But right. speaking of young players going somewhere, uh, Brown and Tatum squaring off against each other, <laughs> go figure what a surprise. You know, uh, I'm. Just, my eyes are rolling on that, you know. What I need is more who's better, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum debates in my life. And uh, so here they are. You know, obviously Tatum's the starter. Brown's, Brown's not. Um, you know how I feel about All-Star Weekend. I mean, I'm always good Love for it. that. You know, Favorite. seasonal. What did I say before the show started? Seasonal defective disorder that I have. You know, I'm always good for one of those angry – if you remember the year that Marcus Smart punched the window, it was probably early March, and I had a big meltdown show I being realize. all – it was the only time I ever got mad at Marcus Smart. Yes. Same time of year, you know. I just need some sun, folks. I just need some <laughs> sun, you know. I need to go golfing, hang out on the camper and have a beer, cook some food over an open fire. Like, I just need – I yeah. So anyway, seasonal defective disorder. I'm good for one of those shows, but uh, but I'm also usually good for it right around the All-Star break. and I know it's coming a little bit later this year, but you know, you know how I feel about the All-Star break. Yawn. It's your favorite. It's your favorite event of the calendar year. I just Man. don't want to piggyback off the I hate the NBA thing that happened on the last show, so I want to temper right. it down and just kind of poke some fun at myself because every year wash, watch Prince and Pete yawn. Well, there's there is this year does have the added three-point shooting contest. I'm going to be watching it.
1: Well, it's happening in the middle of a pandemic is what I meant. And, oh, well. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are, who are really questioning, why are we doing this? What's the point of this? You know, is it really a good idea with all this going on to be putting on a, a, a game that really has no impact? Um, it's a, you know, it's a TV show. Well, the problem is, is that the mo- it's the money, you know, this is, <laughs> this is about Turner and ESPN, uh, really about Turner in this case, getting their money's worth out of the event, you know, and, and the amount of the money that they give the NBA every year. So. Doesn't mean I like it, doesn't mean it makes sense, you know, with all that's going on, but it's it's what it is, so, um, you know, I, I will watch, I'll watch every minute of it, because that's what I do, I love the the silly stuff about it, the three-point, the dunk, the, uh, the skills, I'll watch it all, it'll be great, my kids will love it, and I'll probably not even watch the whole game, <laughs> because the game itself is kind of blah to me, but... The Ilamende made it better last year. Yeah,
0: I've never really enjoyed watching the game. That may help. Yeah. It does help that two of our faves that we've been watching come of age are in it. So there's a shot I'll tune in a little bit. There definitely is.
1: We'll we'll see. We'll have to see if there's any uh, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum conversations in a hallway that gets taped uh it would be nice to turn turn the the tide on on after the last time that happened with Durant and Kyrie uh clearly that didn't go our way so <laughs> it'd be nice if there's some you know
0: some only some, the some, Gordon some Hayward refuge. one that's that you know cuz we were hearing those rumors you know cuz Brad coached that all-star team right 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 so so yeah <laughs> That was the only one that really went our way. And then, and even then, you know, for no fault of his, it didn't go our way. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's something kind of has been going on lately on the, the internet, the interwebs. Um, You know, a lot of criticism. It's a lot of criticism of late. Uh, Not just with how they've been playing, but, you know, speaking of Ryan Bernardoni and Sam Sheehan and, a lot of smart guys on the on on the twitter.com who you know have been talking about things and are, have been are really quite critical um, you know just that this was really there was a pathway to uh, tremendous success laid out in 2014 15 16 into 17 uh, that really has not become fulfilled I mean we're sitting here, uh, you know, a week ago, we were probably as as low as things might have been in a, in, in many years. you know it was a is a pretty tough time. but I, I you know, I don't subscribe to that. I don't view this as a negative. I view it as a negative situation because obviously they're below five hundred at that point and tenth of the conference, and you know, it's not great, but man, there's been so much that's happened this year. Uh, that causes us to really examine those things and say, you know, is a record representative of where they are? I don't think that's true. And then you also have to stop and look at what has happened, I think, uh, to this franchise. Starting from Gordon Hayward breaking his leg opening night in Cleveland, uh, there's been a lot of things that just have not gone the Celtics way. There have been many important ones that have, and and two of those are Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown, but A lot of things have not gone Boston's way since that point. It's been. um, And a lot of those are outside of Danny Inge or Brad Stevens' control. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've been disappointed with their play. There's been nights where it's been the effort. You know, I know what you're saying about the criticism. I guess the thing for me is I mean, I knew that we were going for a championship, you know, and that all of that. But if you remember, I was never. Like I need a championship tomorrow. Right. And that's kinda like bean town, title town, spoiled yeah. brat mentality, you know, and, and truthfully, since I turned the age of twenty, that's that's kinda you know, the or a little over twenty, that's kinda been what we've been living in. You know, it's just an enormous amount of success with a lot of pressure to win it. But, you know, when when they traded Pierce and Garnett and uh Oh, my word, how am I forgetting the other guy? Who was the (laughs) throw-in?
1: Wait,
0: what What do you mean? The guard, the throw-in, who went with them to Brooklyn. You see, you don't even remember. It wasn't just Pierce and Garnett. They threw in one other player. Oh, Jason Terry. Yeah, Jason Terry, thanks. Uh, So since they traded them, you know, I've kind of been on the long game. You know, I just want to see these guys – His young players grow, you know, and you've heard me say it over and over, you know, I'd rather sacrifice what I consider to be a shot at a championship and see what Smart and Tatum and Brown and now Peyton Pritchard and Williams. You know, I want to see the Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Rob Williams lineup. That's what I want to see. I want to see what those five guys could do on the floor, you know. And then, you know, and if you think about some of the younger players like Langford and Neesmith and Grant Williams, like I know they're too young to win a championship. I do. I get it. And I definitely still want the veterans, and I still want to, you know, have a crack at the championship. But I'm not like – I don't get pissed off because the Celtics don't win the championship. I get pissed off because – Honestly, I just get pissed off at the officials. It just makes me bananas sometimes. And, you know, you posted about it. I thought you were baiting me on Twitter when you posted it. No. Like, no, well. you know, I was like, not really. I was kidding. But um, no. <laughs> but when I saw it, I was like, yeah, you know, does every fan base just complain about the officials? You know, like I realized, you know, you posted Go Bear and, and whatnot. You know, but I think does – Is the NBA officiating so irregular and inconsistent that everybody has the same perspective that we do, but for their team?
1: Sure, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure we're not alone thinking. Is it just as unfair for everybody else? Well, I don't think so. I I don't think. I don't think the Laker fans are really
0: sitting there lamenting this. I don't think. I think there are teams that. But that that comes with wins. You know what I mean? Like if we're winning. and we're getting screwed, you and I aren't complaining as much. It's just that simple.
1: Yes. No, that's true. But, like, you know, the Jazz have, uh, I mean, they've done studies about the type of whistles that they get and don't get. And, uh, you know, they've studied this. They've studied the officials. They've studied the calls. Uh, They've studied, you know, what they get as compared to other other franchises. And, And they feel that they don't get the fair whistle. I feel like we're in that same boat, frankly. I feel like Brad Stevens, you know, uh, for whatever reason, doesn't work officials and doesn't doesn't seem to get calls for his stars. You know, Doc seem to. I mean, they complain about it's It's this old thing where, like, everyone complains about certain players, but they, they co-make the calls for them. I, you know, I, there's stuff that Jason Tatum doesn't get where I just don't understand. To be a player of his of his caliber and not get calls going to the basket, I don't I don't really understand that. You know, there's stuff that's like, well, that's soft. But it's
0: it's constant. It's, yeah, it's but it's just, not always a ticky tax, it's what you just said. Yeah. A player who drives to the basket and continues and continues to go after it that never gets the call, you're right. That's there is something weird about that.
1: I feel like that. And I don't know look, is there like Can we, like, scientifically prove it? No, probably not. You know, not with any of the data that we have right now. But, like, you look at – I think there are some franchises and some teams that don't get the whistle, you know, for whatever reason, how how they treat it. They don't have the stars. They don't have the visibility. They don't have whatever. Uh, I, I think that's true. But, I mean, look at Kyle Lowry. Look at the shit that guy gets away with. I mean, my God. You know? Yeah. I mean, he threw the ball. Oh, dude. After,
0: I wanted to say after that a play. The... Yep. No call. No yep. call.
1: No te- Like anybody yeah. else. If that's Marcus Smart, he's teed up.
0: If that's Jalen Brown, he's teed up. You know how Lowry plays, gets though? away with that? What? Yeah. No, you're totally right. And how happy were you when Rob Williams blocked him for the second time? Oh. So Eat good. it. Yeah. So great.
1: I mean, I don't like Lowry. But even just like just stepping back from that for a second, like that wouldn't be tolerated by any other player, you know. Maybe LeBron could get away with it, okay? He would be one, uh, you know. But that's what I'm saying. It's that star system. It's that some guys get away with it, some don't. Uh, and, and I, I don't think really.
0: Be, I think it. there'd be more parity in the league if they did call it equally with the younger players around the league because they'd rise faster or there'd be more anomalies right you right. know yeah and,
1: and i and i get you know to that. to go to this though like i understand as older players you know how to get calls you know how to work the system you know how to like draw fouls you know like that's that's also just being you know experienced right you you your first day on any job you're not as efficient or not as good as you are the you know, five hundredth, right? So I get that. What I don't get is how Trey Young gets away with the stuff he does and then Jalen Brown does it on the other end and doesn't get the call. I don't get that. Like I that to me maybe Jerry Trey Young is a, a supremely skilled, but there just seems to be a uh uh you know an acknowledgement well he must have gotten hurt because or must have gotten fouled because that's yeah, that's Trey Young. It's uh, I don't I don't really like that. I don't appreciate that. That's the way it seems to be in the NBA. So that's me. That's me coming in on your side of this and just saying, look, I think there's others out there that are similarly affected, you know. And uh, it's you know certainly Kings fans from 2002 have a lot to complain about. Um, so fans from 2010 have a lot to complain about. At the highest, you know, at the the highest peak of the of this four. So,
0: anyway,
1: all right, <sighs> let's go
0: to the all star break, man. Yeah, let's dude, I'm break. ready. We'll we'll take a little break. I'm glad we waited until the last game of this four game winning streak to hop on and uh, you know put some smiles on everybody's faces, especially our own, as we head into the into the break. And good luck to Jason and Jalen in the three-point contest, and uh, you know, good luck to them in the game too. I guess. Um, I really hope. Uh, I really hope one of them comes away with it. And I also saw that tweet you put out there that every single time the Celtics have sent two people to the three-point contest, one of them's walked away with it.
1: I mean, can you beat that? Right? I mean, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> so, like. What are we going to complain if one of them doesn't walk away with it this time? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, no. Who, who, who yeah. <laughs> right,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> While everybody's pigpiling piling with negativity, if they don't if one of them breaks the streak. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Um speaking of here and, and just to end on a good note, the uh there's a handful of te- there's only two teams well Phoenix is playing right now if Phoenix wins tonight Phoenix and your Boston Celtics will have the longest active winning streaks in the NBA <laughs> sweet how long is so, Phoenix,
0: Phoenix so they'll be, will also be four
1: they would be four as well
0: yeah so right on, you know, bro. it's
1: funny how life moves pretty fast
0: you know I mean it's well yeah they were below 500 and then they ran into the you know uh Washington Wizards who had the longest streak in the NBA or the the best record in the last 10 games or whatever it was and uh they snapped that and then they snapped one off and now they're two games above 500 again so that's nice it would be great if they could get on a roll here you know a, a real nice roll if they could get Marcus Smart back and Langford back you know they might be able to reduce them the minutes. I you know the one the I guess I will finish on this. I liked the way the Celtics closed the game against the Raptors. You know, that lots of different guys got aggressive. They didn't just. I mean, Tatum hit some big shots, but they didn't just rely on Tatum. You know, unfortunate for Brown, he didn't hit his. You know, every one of his free throws, but he got to the line. Like they did a lot of different things, and that's. That If I get negative or down on the Celtics, that's when it happens, when it's just Kemba at the top, jack-and-threes, you know, trying to run back and forth on the high screen just to get some freedom, or they kind of do the same thing with Tatum. I hate that. You know, you got to be diverse down the stretch, and you have to be able to attack the basket and create space. I love the way that they close the game against the Raptors. So congratulations. Let's see more of it, boys.
1: I like that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: More of right.
1: that. More of that, please.
0: Amen, brother. That's good to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can subscribe to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd certainly appreciate a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And on behalf of John and myself and the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, I'm Justin Poole. And thanks for listening to this week's episode. Enjoy the all-star break. We're Celtic Stuff Live.